Please turn in your Bibles with me today to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Now this will be about my 40th message on Mother's Day. About 40 years of pastoring on Mother's Day. I have learned a few things about preaching on Mother's Day. I have learned over the years that it's one of the most difficult days to preach on. You know why? Because out of all of the holidays that go throughout the whole year, this one probably stirs up the most emotions in the hearts of God's people. And there's such a mixture of emotions because of all the variables that go with Mother's Day. And with all the memories or the good memories or the regrets, etc., etc., so what I ask you to do, and by the way, out of those uh, 40 messages, I said, now Lord, I could go back and look at 40 different outlines. I said, but I'm not going to do that. I said, Lord, would you give me something that you want me to deal with? And he said, uh, I do have something I want you to deal with. And I, well, I like it when he says that. And so anyway, God has directed my thought and my heart. And when I tell you, I have, it would take me probably about three messages to just preach on all the thoughts that he and I have talked about this past week. Honestly, when you meditate on the things of the Lord and he just shows you, you're, I got about six or seven pages of notes. And, but I said, Lord, I gotta, I gotta condense this. I gotta get this down here where we can deal with this in one service. And so, uh, don't worry. I'll let you out by, by at least four or five o'clock today. No worries. That's one thing about watching at home. You can just do what you want to do. Amen. But I want you to look with me in Proverbs chapter 14. I really do want to get to the heart and the thought of this thing. And uh, today I I want to to preach on the wise woman builds. The wise woman builds. And I want you to stay with me on this and whether you be... uh, a young lady that's not married or, or whether you be married or whether you be a widow or a divorcee, all these things. Maybe they may not directly apply to you right now in your life where you are. But you might be able to take this and use it at some point in your life or even give somebody, a friend of yours that's in trouble, some good godly counsel. Never is truth wasted if you'll receive it. And pass it on sometimes. Uh, God will use you to make a difference in somebody else's life. So let's look in chapter 14, verse number 1. This is a proverb of contrast. The Bible says in verse 1, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And what you have here is you have the wise contrasted with the foolish. You have the builder contrasted with the destroyer. And also that woman which is constructive compared to the one that is destructive. To the one that is positive in her family's atmosphere and the one that is negative in her family atmosphere. And so let's have a word of prayer and let's study it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bless your servant? God, I pray the Holy Ghost would be able to bring back to my memory the things that I really do need to say. And Lord, even the things that sometimes I think I need to say, but I really don't. 
I'm willing to forget those. Lord, if you'll just use me today, I'd be grateful. And I pray you'd help these dear women and these men and these sons and daughters. And Lord, may you be glorified because your word is true. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice here that it says in specifically that every wise woman buildeth her house. Now this wise woman obviously takes ownership of her house. She sees this as her responsibility. She is not going to put this off on someone else to take her role or her responsibility uh, to what's going on inside the walls of her home and with her family. And by the way, that word woman is mentioned there. It does not say every wise mother. It doesn't say every wise wife. It says every wise woman. And the reason I say that is because this encompasses several possibilities. Could be a single woman. She may be single by choice, according to 1 Corinthians 7. Sometimes the single life allows you to be able to focus more upon the things of God. That's not a bad thing. Okay? And uh, matter of fact, uh, we don't know about Lydia. There she is over in Acts 16. The Bible says she was a woman seller of purple. We don't know if she was a single woman, if she was a, a divorced woman, or if she was a, uh, a widow. We don't know. But usually if a woman is a widow, it mentions that. But we do know that she had, uh, obviously, when she got born again, she had a business already. And uh, she wanted that whole family of hers, when I say family, her household. She had servants. And she wanted to serve the Lord with what God had given her. And maybe, you know, maybe by this word woman might be by divorce or by widowhood. The Bible says that Ruth, being a widow, was already known to be a virtuous woman. Before. She remarried. She was already known to be a woman of virtue. So in other words, she was already building some things before she took on a husband. She already had some ideas of what her household would be before she met her second man. Then I'm, I'm sure, I'm positive that it also includes the married woman, the mother, and the wife. So wherever you are right now as a lady... As a female, I pray that you take your life and start to build on what God would have it to be. You know, whether you be a teenager, whether you be a young adult, or whether you be a middle-aged woman, I better stop right there, right? Don't just keep going on with that, so I'll stop at the middle age. But the Bible says that even the aged women in the New Testament are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and how to love their children and wives. And the children and their husbands. So wives, I pray that God will help you today uh, through the word of the Lord. You know, life is a great challenge, no doubt. We only get one shot at it. And bad choices will limit your future options. But of the women that are here today, I pray that if you're building and you're starting out in your life and this new construction, so be it. If you're maintaining your house, so be it. If you need foundation repair, so be it. If you need to remodel your house. Let's get with it. If you need to leave a legacy or an inheritance behind, leave a good one for your children and for your family. You know, anybody uh, can, 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 can tear something up, but it takes some wisdom to build something. I remember when uh, we uh, decided to take the parsonage down 
because of its deteriorating condition and the highway coming through. And we hired somebody to come and take it down. And it took, no doubt, a long, take weeks or even days and weeks to build it. But it only took a couple of days to tear it down. I was amazed at what this man could do with just a, a piece of equipment and just tear it down and fold it up and put it in a, a, a basically a garbage can and haul it off and it was gone. That's how quickly you can destroy your house and your family. It takes years to build something, a little bit of time to tear it up. So I pray the Lord will help you today uh, through the good word of God. Look, look with me again at this verse. The Bible says, Every wise woman buildeth her house. It says, But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. I think you agree with me that if you're going to build something, that you need to have a good foundation. Brother Ed's been dealing with a little bit of that on Wednesday night. And I encourage you to watch those services or come to those services as he'll be dealing with the home. He's been dealing with that. But Jesus Christ made it very clear that a wise man will build his house upon a sure foundation, which is the rock, which is the word of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And the foolish man builds his house upon the sand, which is always shifting and moving. The psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So not only do you need a foundation, but you need a plan on how to build it. The Apostle Paul spends much time on this subject, dealing with mothers and women, and how critical it is to the very integrity and makeup of a local church. And how that he wanted those women to take their role seriously in the family structure of a home, in the ministry of a church. So ladies, this morning I do want to remind you of something that this woman in verse number one made a choice. A wise woman has made a choice. Wisdom is a choice. You have to choose to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so you're going to have to put all of this in the relationship, your relationship with God Almighty. If you're going to build your house wisely, if you're going to repair what is broken, if you're going to leave a good legacy, you're going to have to have the right relationship with Almighty God. And you're going to have to trust Him that He is an all-wise God concerning these things because you have to consider today how much the world, the flesh, and the devil hate you and hate your influence and the impact that you have upon us as men, our children, upon the church itself. You are so valuable, so important. Why do you think the adversary came after you in the garden? Because he knew that if he could take you down, it would impact not only the man, but the entire world. You've heard that saying that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. If you ever played chess, the most powerful piece on the, on that, uh, Platform of chess is the queen. The queen protects the king. I'm just here to tell you that you need to consider all that's being thrown at you today in today's society to wipe you out. and To take you away from what God has designed for you to be. I'm going to tell you now, I'm telling you the world works long and hard and steady to distort the image 
and the success of the wise woman. The mother, the housewife, the seamstress, the dietitian, the nurse, the teacher. And as in the garden with Eve, God wants what's best for you, knows what's best for you. But the adversary whispers in your ear and saying, God is keeping his best from you. God is robbing you of what you could be and what you could have. You'd be happier, more fulfilled, more satisfied if you would listen to me. That's what the adversary has said to the women's ears today. And I want you to think about that. Because the wise woman built her house. That's going to depend on who she listens to. I want to give you a few things about feminism for just a moment. Okay? Uh, and this is, this is drawn from several things that I've read. Just a few quotes here and there. Nothing of my original thoughts. Just from different various authors. You understand that feminism is actually the enemy of women. Not the friend of a woman, but the enemy of a woman. The woman's liberation movement is anti-God and anti-Bible and anti-family, regardless of some of the things that they may throw in there. Feminism emasculates men by saying, we don't really need you. We don't need you to be our hero. All men are egotistical. And they're the ones who want to save you. To protect you. And when you tell us that you don't need us, it emasculates us, it weakens us. And we need to be needed. So be very careful, ladies, about how you speak to your man when he tries to be and practice a little bit of chivalry around you. As if it's insulting to you. It's not sometimes that you can't open a car door. He said maybe sometimes he just wants to do it for you. And it's not that you can't sometimes pick that item up, but sometimes he just wants to show you that he can and he wants to and he's stronger than you are. Not only do the, does feminism emasculate men, but it also tries to teach women to emulate men. It goes from we don't need you to we want to be like you. And we want to be the leader. We want to be the head of the home. And anything with two heads is a, it's a freak and it's a monster. I don't know if you've ever heard of this name, Elizabeth Stanton. She wrote a book called um, uh, 80 Years and More. She was a pioneer of women's rights, 1898, when she wrote this book. And she said this, she said, I know of no other book that so fully teaches the subjection and degradation of women as does the Bible. Now their theory is that the real cause of a woman's sorrow is the role of wife and mother. It leaves her with no serious purpose or fulfillment in life. Mothers and housewives are non-persons. In other words, their theory is, don't make me feel guilty for not 
staying at home. The fact is, if you and I start from a wrong hypothesis, then the solution will surely be off base. And the problem will only get worse. The wise woman chooses to fear the Lord over the whispers of the serpent. So I want you to think about this. When you get married and you decide how you're going to build your house, it's sort of like that sign. I, I, I read this years ago that there was a sign in a particular city. I think it might have been Anchorage, Alaska, when it was uh, snowbound. And it had a sign there before engaged in a long stretch of highway. And it says, choose your rut carefully. For you're going to be in it for a while. And I'm not implying that marriage is a rut. And you say, well, my life feels like a rut sometimes. You know what? Uh, I'm not talking about a rut in a negative sense. I'm talking about your path of life. When you get in it sometimes, you just, you're going to be in it for a while. And so I want you to choose God. But this woman, being a wise woman, she has chosen to have a relationship with God. She has chosen to fear God and to trust His wisdom. You can't choose both. You cannot choose the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God and build your house. You can't do that. She believes that God knows best. Like Sarah, who chose the fear of the Lord even when her husband was weak in his leadership. This woman that chooses God understands and embraces God's plan and God's purpose for her. You know what I mean by that? She believes when God said and when Jesus said in the beginning... God made male and female. She believes that. She believes that over what the world is telling her today. So she embraces that. Not ashamed of that. Does not feel second class to that. She embraces her purpose of creation. The place that God has brought her into because here's where what he did for her. He says he placed her in Adam's life to complete him as a helpmate. She embraces that. A woman that fears God embraces that and not ashamed of that. And it was God who placed her in submission and in a supportive role to make Adam a better man. Not a bitter man. Proverbs 31 says, His heart doth safely trust in her. He refers to that in specifically money and morals. But she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Her relationship with her family is critical to her. Her relationship with her husband to love him by supporting him and and her submission, her sweet spirit, her household with her children to love them, to discipline them and give them some direction, knowing they need restraint, knowing they need to be nurtured and reared 
And knowing that at some point she would have to release them and respect their choices in pursuing the will of God for their lives. That's a difficult thing to do. But I will say this about a a wise woman. Get down to the practical things here concerning this wise woman. The contrast here between the foolish woman, she rejects the very idea of what God wants her to be. You tell me that I am to have a meek and a quiet spirit. God, you're not going to tell me what I can do and can't do and when I can talk and when I can't talk. There are three words that Solomon wrote down about a woman that really shouldn't even get married. One of the words is odious. It says the earth cannot bear this. Why did this woman even get married? That word odious means a hateful woman. A hateful woman. A mean-spirited woman. Why would you get married? The other word several times is used in the book of Proverbs is the word brawling. That word brawling means that she's clamorous. She is loud and she is quarrelsome. The word contentious is used. As a matter of fact, Solomon used this description. He said, you know what? It would be better for me to live on the corner of a rooftop and to dwell with a woman like this. Hmm. Now, back in those days, they did have where you could go out on the flat part of the roof, but you had to face the elements if you lived out there. Then he went on to say that, as a matter of fact, it would even be better if I was camping out in the wilderness by myself than it would for me to live in a house with this kind of woman. I'll tell you, that's pretty serious. Because in those days, you're talking about some very dangerous places to live. That word contentious means this. It means that she is an argumentative woman. Argumentative. I'm going to, ladies, please trust the Lord here. So, Brother Roger, that's just your philosophy. Please. I can give you proverb after proverb after proverb and verse and chapter after chapter and verse if you want them after church. For sake of time, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. The word contentious means argumentative, disagreeable, combative, and critical. That wise woman understands some things about how man is made up, about what he needs. She trusted God made him different than her. And so she's going to trust the Lord that God made her to be able to make him better. And ladies, we need to be made better. And I'm just going to use these words here. And, and uh, if you're taking notes, they all start with an S to help you to remember them. Not to impress you, but to help you to remember them. One of them would be your soft speech. The power of words. Oh, ladies. Please, the wise woman understands that a man is greatly impacted by the way that his wife speaks to him. Positively or negatively, the way she talks to him and about him is absolutely critical and foundational in a relationship between a man and a woman. 
soft speech. He said, Brother Roger, you don't understand how he provokes me. I'm talking about your relationship with God. And it is God who will give you the grace that you need sometimes to restrain what you feel. Because the scripture says that that virtuous woman, that godly woman, that God-fearing woman, that she has determined that the law of kindness would be in her lips. And that when she did speak, it would be wisely. Ladies, you know what? If you say something firmly and respectfully, a man, you've given a man some room there now to react without him go, without him being offended. Without him feeling like he's been attacked. Without him feeling like it's his mama talking to his boy. Men don't, don't deal with that very well. Now you gotta trust me right here now. Listen, when I say trust me, I'm talking about trust the Word of God as I'm trying to help you with this. Is that men are egotistical and women are emotional overall. There are exceptions and then we cross over in some of those things. There's no doubt about that. Men need to weep. Men need to show emotions. But they can't be controlled by those things. But we as our men, God has made us different than you. And we need things different than you need. And we need a woman in our lives that speaks to us with respect and reverence. Now some of you, when I say that, inside you cringe. But here's where you choose to fear God. And you need to understand that you can help change your man by the way you talk to him. This is why in the book of Proverbs it talks about why that strange woman is able to lure your husband away. And it always starts with the way she talks to him. It says that she flatters him. In other words, she is saying some things to him that you used to say to him until you had to live with it. Then you found out that his socks get dirty, his breath stinks in the morning, etc., etc. Okay? And so that, that woman, that strange woman, she sees some of the value of what you used to see because she doesn't have to live with him. She's, she can still see the values of some things in his life. So she flatters him. And it makes him feel like a man again. It makes him feel worthy again. Not He don't need to be stupid, but some men are stupid because they, they like to hear the things that stroke their ego It's a weakness that we have. It's a weakness that we have that ought to be a strength that motivates us to want to do better. Your soft speech is critical. Your submissive spirit is absolutely essential. A man does not want to combat against the world trying to make a living, having to deal with other egotistical men trying to make a dollar, and then to come home to combat with his wife. 
He does not want that. He will hesitate to enjoy pulling up in the driveway because he doesn't want to get into an argument. He doesn't want to have a debate. He doesn't want to have to explain everything in detail. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a conversation. But that submissive spirit falls in where you trust God that God has made him the head and he's the leader. Just like you would if you came here to the church and you and your pastor said, listen, I don't want you doing those things. And you would say, well, Brother Roger, you're my pastor, so I respect you. So, I, okay, I won't do that. Even though I don't agree with you, I'm not going to do that anymore. I appreciate that. Well, that same attitude and spirit is the same attitude and spirit that God wants when your husband comes in the door and says, honey, I think we need to do this. And you may express your opinion about something and he may consider your opinion and weigh it. But when he makes the final decision, there's no needing you bowing up. And there's no needing you being argumentative and debating about it. You're going to wear him out. To the point of where that he's not going to want to lead you anymore. And by the way... Somebody's got to lead because you cannot follow a parked car. You'll get that later. Soft speech, submissive spirit, speaks so loudly. The the wise woman understands this, the power of words, a submissive spirit. A meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. God says, man, that's a valuable woman to me right there. Oh, she's valuable. More than rubies. The third thing is sexually cooperative. 1 Corinthians 7 says that a woman or a man should not defraud the other. You cannot use the bedroom as a tool to get that which you want. You are to be sexually cooperative. Your man is going to have some needs. And there are going to be plenty of women out there who want the stability that your husband is providing for you. The whorish woman is seeking the precious life and cannot find it. She is looking for a man who has a job, who takes a bath. I remember uh, there was a pastor in... um, in Louisiana, he was an older guy, Dr. Sinsat. He was well respected. When I went to Franklin, Louisiana, the pastor there with, as a young man, he took me under his wing, encouraged me what kind of books to buy and some things to do. And he was just a godly man, a wise man. And he always warned us young preachers about other women. He said, these Cajun women will be attracted to you simply because, he said, because you take a bath and brush your teeth. Their husbands don't. And you have a job. Now, ladies, I know your sight's a little bit higher than that. Surely. And maybe sometimes you still feel like you're raising boys when we throw our socks and we miss the hamper and sometimes we make a mess at the sink. I understand that. That's part of our caveman nature. You understand that? But a submissive spirit... And being sexually cooperative of meeting his needs and those, there are women out there that are shameless. 
And they do not mind destroying your home to take your man if she feels like she can get from him the security that she desires. And then number four is a sense of humor. A sense of humor. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about that living with your wife joyfully and cheerfully. Some laughter at the house. We heard about some of that Wednesday, Wednesday night. And I know I've been around some of you men. And by the way, you men have contaminated me with your sarcasm. And I know that you have it. And I know that you can use it wisely at the house for a little bit of laughter. Sarcasm sometimes can be very harmful and painful. And what you're doing is you're not, you're being critical without just coming out and being honest. But sarcasm in the right way, in a good way, can, can bring laughter and a sense of humor. But you need to laugh. You don't, listen, life is serious enough and you need to learn to laugh at some things at the house. You do. And number five is, I'm a soft speech. And by the way, if you took all five of these things, whether you were saved or lost, your marriage would stay together. A soft speech, submissive spirit, sexually cooperative, a sense of humor, and supper on the table. Out of all those S's, that's the one I get the loudest amen for, supper on the table. But there's something about supper on the table that speaks volumes to a man's heart. Not just the ingredients that are on the table, but the fact that you didn't wait till 5 p.m. in the afternoon and said, Honey, what would you like for supper? In other words, it's still frozen. In other words, there were there was no thought when you got up in the morning as if you woke up in a new world and you didn't know there was going to be supper that evening. At five, oh honey, I forgot, are we eating supper tonight? And what that just simply means is, is really, you know, I didn't give you much thought this morning when I got up. I mean, I washed your dirty clothes, don't you even thank me for that? Do you understand, supper speaks volumes. And you've heard those sayings. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And there's a lot of truth in that. And a woman that can cook real good can overcome a lot of things when she don't look real good. Man, I don't know if I'll ever get over that statement right there. I'll probably get in trouble for that. I'm just saying seasons of life take the toll on all of us. Amen? And I'm just saying that, man, I'm telling you what, there's something about a woman that just loves to fix a good meal for her hard-working husband when he comes in from the hard day at work. And, uh, and, and I know if you're having to work yourself, I know there's some limitations. You have to work on all those things. I understand that. And if you're homeschooling, that's a great responsibility. And I know it wears on you, and I know your husband tries to take that into consideration. But at some point... You gotta stay focused on the basics of your family. And you gotta quit counting on 
Popeyes. Now, thank God for Popeyes or Chick fil A. Popeyes is the liberal and Chick fil A is the conservative. But do you understand what I'm talking about here? Is man, a man wants to feel like, well, you know what? When he comes in and there's been no thought given for the day, it's like, okay, I guess I really don't matter. He says, is a meal that big a deal to him? Yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, and I know you're going to do your very best to try to feed him the right kind of stuff, but every once in a while, feed him what he likes. Every once in a while, feed him what he likes. And fellas, learn to like what she fixes. Amen? And to appreciate it. Sometimes my wife will practice and fix something new and I have to be, choose my words carefully. <laughs> Honey, how'd you like that? Would you like to have that again? I... I said, well, let me just say that I like some of your other dishes better. Amen. So be very careful because you know when a woman puts her heart into a meal and you sit down and you don't even take time to thank God for it or thank her for her hard work. You're just like a hog. Just grunts and eats his slop and moves on. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But we're talking about y'all right now. Let's go back to that. Okay, but we're talking about soft speech, a submissive spirit, sexually cooperative, a sense of humor, and supper on the table. Those are some good things that a woman can do to build her house. And focus on those things. You say, well, Brother Roger, that doesn't sound like that's very much of a reason and a purpose in life. What you're doing there is you're building. You're putting a lot of things together that make up a good home and a good relationship and when those children come along with that proper foundation and those plans. And by the way, you know, if you're going to do this, you know, you have to have the proper foundation and you got to have the right plans and you got to be willing to pay the price. You, Jesus said, if you're going to build something, consider the cost. Don't get halfway through it. And I'm going to tell you to have this kind of relationship and to be pleasing to God. It means you're going to have it's going to cost you something. It means you're going to have to lay aside your pride and humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, give me grace to love this man. Lord knows you said that he needs me, but I need you. God, help me to be the kind of woman that he needs in his life. That he would look forward to coming home. That he would look forward to a few minutes of privacy with me as much as he does with his friends. And I pray the Lord will help you with this. Now, I want to say this in closing. For those of you who have moms, sons, and daughters, I know that you probably have spent a little bit of money, probably got a card, some flowers, maybe took her out for a meal, maybe got her something, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do, I don't know what your tradition is, I have no idea. But if you have a wise mother, and you struggle with a proper gift... Here's some suggestions of what you could give her that would just keep on giving. Don't you like gifts that just keep on giving? If you're a son, according to Proverbs 31, here's what you could do. Instead of buying her cheap flowers, 
That'll fade in a few days. Avoid three things. Avoid an immoral lifestyle. So she doesn't have to worry who you're sleeping with. Avoid an intoxicated lifestyle. So that she doesn't have to worry about your drinking and your driving and your drugs. Did you know that during the lockdown, according to reports, that pornography sites and alcohol sales have went through the roof in America? It's almost as if this woman in Proverbs, this wise, godly woman, knew the nature of men. Immorality and intoxication. The third one is to avoid an insignificant lifestyle. In other words, make a difference by being different. Care about somebody besides yourself. If you're a daughter, if she's a godly woman and she fears the Lord, embrace her faith. And engage her in faithfully raising your children and her grandchildren. Let her be a part of that. Lois and Eunice were a team. That was a mother and a daughter working together to raise Timothy. That Paul said that from a child thou hast known the Scriptures. And that was mom and grandma working together to try to save that child's life. And you want to give something as a boy to your mother? Avoid an immoral lifestyle. Quit sleeping around like a dog. Avoid an intoxicated lifestyle. Get off those drugs and that alcohol. And those video games. Avoid an insignificant lifestyle. Aware that you, if you died tomorrow, nobody would miss you. Because you make no difference in anybody's life. You can't take care of yourself, much less your family. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You say, that's mean. We've gotten to the point where people are so soft, being truthful is mean. And to the daughters, embrace your mother's faith if she fears God. Don't be ashamed. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't like this, I don't like that. Well, there's nobody that's perfect. But you can embrace their faith in God and engage in her faithfully raising your child in the things of God. I pray the Lord will bless you today and that you'll take the time. I know this, that it's going to cost you to build your house. And I know this to be true. This past last summer, Cindy and I spent about six months remodeling inside of our house. We had to count the cost. You know what it did? It improved the value of our house. It improved the longevity of our house. And we do the same thing with our relationship with each other and with God and with our children. We remodel a few things. We change a few things where it needs to be changed. Sometimes you have to let some old things go and some new things have to come along. Because life is like that. 
But then there are some things you have to hang on to that should never change. But it should always, whatever you're doing, it should be improving the value of your family and the longevity of your family. Are you building? Or are you destroying? Are you a positive influence in your family or a negative? You know what the Bible says? God will destroy the house of the proud. Let's stand together, please. I ask my dear wife, she would come to be out for just a moment. We'll take just a moment here to have an invitation. I ask you as women, would you look to the Lord right now and say, Dear God, there have been moments in my life that I've been foolish. I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, I choose today, I choose to fear you. I want to be a wise mother, a wise grandmother. I want to be that woman that builds and not destroys. You obey the Spirit of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray also for our young men. And our young ladies, that they would honor their mothers and fathers. And Lord, that they would, uh, Lord, show their moms respect. Lord, by changing some things in their own lives. And Father, we love you and we need you today. In Jesus' name.